0: Daily with Jason Martinez time for your Wednesday March 11th edition of Flyers Daily And welcome to your Wednesday edition of Flyers Daily. March 11th, Jason Martinez with you. Hit me up on Twitter, at Jason Mert. Before we get into the business and uh, an unfamiliar feeling, which is a loss, coming off a loss, let me tell you that the race for the playoffs is on. Despite the loss, the race for the playoffs is still on, people. Don't miss every crucial game as the Flyers host back-to-back home games. That's this weekend. The 2019 Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues, come in next week, March 17th. And a St. Paddy's Day game feature featuring $5 green beers. Shop now at philadelphiaflyers.com. Back-to-back weekend games this weekend against uh, the Wild and Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid, yeah, good Irish name. And uh, Leon Dreisaitl will be in town uh, this weekend. Uh, but and also we'll see Craig Berube and the Stanley Cup champion. Uh, St. Louis Blues next week as well. Now, real quick before we get to uh, the game, the news that came out before the game is where we'll start tonight. And it was that uh, Chuck Fletcher announcing that Philadelphia Flyers defenseman Phillip Myers will miss approximately four weeks with a fractured patella in his right knee. So four weeks, if you calculate that out, it's right around the time the playoffs begin, maybe a couple of games in pending the schedule. But four weeks for Phil Myers, and it's a huge shame because Phil Myers, who, who was up and down a little bit last year, uh, mostly up this year, but down a little bit this year as well, and healthy scratched a few times earlier in the season, had really dialed his game in and dialed in chemistry with his defensive partner, Travis Sanheim. And I've talked about it here on Flyers Daily several times and talked about it on Flyers Fix with Chuck Fletcher and Elaine Vigno as well. The amount of real estate that uh, Travis Sanheim and Phil Myers cover on that 200-by-85 sheet of ice is is incredible because they're both elite skaters. Both players have good sticks. Both players have offensive ability. Both players have good defensive ability. So Phil Myers is going to be out four weeks. Shame for him. But these things happen. Look, you played the Boston Bruins tonight. They were without Brandon Carlo, and they were without Tori Krug. The teams get hit by injuries all, all the time. Any time of the season, the Flyers have a couple they're dealing with right now. James Van Riemsdyk, four to six weeks with the broken hand, and now obviously Phil Myers uh, with the, the 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 lower body injury. So uh, you got it's a next man up world, and it's it is what it is. And I know it's what the Eagles use, and you know, whatever you think about that, but it's true in professional sports, especially contact sports, players get hurt. And Phil Myers is out, so the Flyers have to move forward without him right now. And there can't be any excuses, well, we can't play without Phil Myers. No, you have to, you have, guys have to step up. And into the lineup came Shane Bear against the Bruins. And I thought Shane Gossespierre, uh, you know, that's a difficult situation for Shane Gossespierre to be in. He hadn't played a game since uh, early February. He's only played four games in the calendar year of 2020, played uh, three prior to the original injury. Then he came back after the cleanup surgery, uh, played the one game, realized he wasn't ready to play, went back on the shelf, um, and then got a couple of uh, rehab stints in with the Phantoms and finally gets his opportunity to get back in tonight. And I got to tell you, I thought he was pretty good in the game. I really do. I I thought he played well, Um, especially after he settled in after the first period. I thought the coach just shielded him a little bit matchup-wise, which you knew they were going to do. He was on the third pairing with Robert Haig anyway. Uh, but that being said, I thought he was aggressive. I thought you could see his confidence swell in the second period. He was making plays. Actually, in the first period, he made a really good play in the first period to put the Flyers on the first power play of the game, too. Get the puck at the blue line, and then makes a shifty move to go uh, to, to the uh, the slot, if you will, a little higher than that. But um, But to take the puck to the middle of the ice, he got tripped and set the Flyers to the power play. I thought he made some good keeps along the blue line. I thought he was really good in the neutral zone. Um, I didn't think he was bad defensively. I thought, all things considered, I thought that Shane Bear played a really good game, and I think it's something that, that he can use as a building block. So I think I think that was an important game for Shane Um I know you never want to come back into the lineup when the team's on a total heater like the Flyers have been, winning nine straight, and then the game you come back is the one they lose, um, but... It certainly had nothing to do with Shane Gossespierre. I thought the Flyers played well in the game against the Bruins. I thought that uh, they had an opportunity to win the game. And I, I put this out in a tweet, and And this is what Elaine Vigneault, I've heard him say, and sometimes um, you don't like the process, but you like the result. And sometimes you like the process, but you don't like the result. Now, the ultimate goal is to like the process and like the result, which is play the game the right way, stick to the system, and get a win out of it. But it doesn't always work out that way in hockey. So for a, an example of a game that we didn't like the process but we liked the result, look no further than the game on Saturday night against the Buffalo Sabres. They didn't play a great game. They, they I said they didn't play their A, B, or C, D, C game. They probably played their D game and got a win because the goaltender made 38 saves on 39 shots and was tremendous in the, in the hockey game. And that's going to happen. Those things happen in a season. And look at tonight for an example of a game where you like the process, but you don't like the result. I thought the Flyers played really well tonight. They provided a ton of pressure, 36 shots on Tuka Rask on his 33rd birthday. He got the shutout. He was just tremendous in this hockey game. I thought he played incredibly well, calm under pressure. I didn't think it was a case of the Flyers hitting him with shots or not being precise with their shooting or not creating sustained pressure or second-chance opportunities. I just think that that was a goalie that was locked in tonight. And to, to, for that, I just got to give him a tip of the cap. I mean, he made several saves in the second period, and he just gets himself right back in the position for the follow-up. And he just he just looked dialed in tonight. He was uh, the difference in this hockey game. Uh, Boston comes away with the win. They get the, the two opportunistic goals, the Grizzly goal from the point layered screen on Carter Hart don't even know that he saw the puck and then the second one a lot of people look at that second one and at first glance you go "Oh, that's a bad goal you got to top that one but no no, no. Uh, if you really look at that video you see when Ber- first of all Bergeron gets the shot off uh, very quickly but it also as soon as he gets it off it deflects off the stick of Sandheim and totally changes the tra- trajectory of that shot now people could say, "Well, I was far out. He should have made a stop." Nobody's gonna. Re- nobody's reaction time on the planet is quick enough to react to that change in trajectory. Um, Bergeron, it was a great shot because those things can happen, and he's a guy that has 31 goals this year and has been a great offensive player in this league because he takes those shots and creates those those things to, to happen. And it, and it was a great shot by uh, Bergeron. It did deflect off the stick of Sanheim, and it crawls up on, uh, on Carter Hart. It's just unable to once – you, once you go into your save selection there and your read is that the puck's going to be much lower than it was, and then it changes that trajectory up, there's nothing you can do. Your muscles are moving in one direction, and there was nothing Carter Hart could do on that. Um, at that point, when it changes trajectory, you got to hope it just hits you because uh, that's just the way it is because nobody can react that quickly. So it's just a grizzlet goal and a Bergeron goal. The only ones in this one, Flyers unable to get on the board. Now, here's the good news, and it's it's a challenge. Like, I looked at tonight's, the game against the Bruins, and, and the word I kept using, I used it on the podcast yesterday, was opportunity because when the Washington Capitals lost in the shootout to the Buffalo Sabres, that created the stagger in the schedule and the opportunity. Um, now, the Flyers did not capitalize on the opportunity. They had to win 10 straight games to do it. Um, with a win tonight, they could have jumped ahead of the Capitals instead of into a tie with the Capitals where they lose that tiebreaker, um, but they failed in that opportunity. They're still sitting at 89 points, and one of the teams behind you picked up a couple of points tonight. The Pittsburgh Penguins picked up two points over New Jersey tonight, so now they're only three back. 69 games played for the Capitals, Flyers, and Penguins. The Caps threw 69 games, 90 points. The Flyers through 69 games, 89 points, and the, and the Penguins through 69 games, 86 points. Are we? Do we count maybe the Pens as not being a team that could get back up to that two seed or even number one seed a little early? Well, I got to see more. They did lose six straight. They won two straight. They lost two straight. Now they got to win tonight. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how that pays off and see how they move forward. But the thing that the Flyers have been so good at, and the reason why we've had the conversations that this is different this year as opposed to other years where they would get hot or. They'd play good for a stretch, but you just didn't believe that they were a team that could be dangerous in the playoffs. You know, we look at the depth on the team that we've talked about so many times. Nicholas aube Kubel wrote a six-game point streak. Kevin Hayes has been a huge difference, and the penalty kill's been so much better. And just just the team overall, team depth and depth scoring is way better than it's been in the past six years, per se. And then you look also look at the goaltending that you're getting from Carter Hart most nights and Brian Elliott on those other nights. So you look at those things, you go, okay, that's why this team is different. But the proof is in the pudding, right? So the Flyers have not lost back-to-back games. This is incredible. I mean, this is a real tribute. This is when you know you have a good team, when they're able to not lose back-to-back games or two losses turn into four or four losses turn into six or four losses in five games or five losses in seven games, those kind of things. The Flyers— have not lost back-to-back games since January 4th and January 7th. And the, and the second game of that back-to-back losses for them uh, was a 5-4 overtime loss to Carolina. They lost four straight there. That was at the end of that road trip where they lost to the Kings, Vegas, Arizona, and Carolina. Since then, they have not lost back-to-back games. So, okay, let's take a look at that. What Who did they have coming off of those losses? Because you can go, yeah, they didn't lose back-to-back. They didn't have any back-to-back losses, but they played really inferior opponents on those back-to-backs. So let's look at it right now. Uh, The first loss after that four-game losing streak and after the back-to-back losses was to Tampa Bay. That was that one nothing game, freak goal, where Matt Niskanen tried to bat the puck out of the air, and they ended up getting the the only goal they get Tampa Bay did. Well, the next game, two days later, on January 13th, they took on Boston. It's the game where they got down 5-2, to came back, tied it at 5, went to overtime, went to the shootout, and Brad Marchand uh, flubbed the puck in the shootout. So didn't lose back-to-back games, and they took on a really good opponent, the best team in the league, in the Boston Bruins and came away with a win. All right, so the next loss came on January 16th against the Montreal Canadiens. That was at home a Thursday night. That was a tough loss. Well, the next game, they took on an inferior opponent. That was the Los Angeles Kings, but they belted the Kings 4-1, to and then they went on to beat the Penguins 2-3 to nothing, and that was what took them right into the All-Star break bye week. Came back from the break, and they took on the Penguins on January 31st. They lost in Pittsburgh 4-3 in overtime. Okay, so who was the next opponent? Was it an inferior opponent like the Los Angeles Kings? It wasn't. It was actually the Colorado Avalanche, and it was a back-to-back situation. 31st against Pittsburgh, the loss. And then that Saturday night, they started Alex Lyon, mind you, and they beat the Colorado Avalanche, a very quality opponent, 6-3. All right, the next loss was to the New Jersey Devils. It was a 5-0, horrible loss, earlier this season on February 6th. The next game, two days later, was in Washington against the Metropolitan Division leading Capitals, and they beat the Capitals 7-2. to Okay, so by my count, that's three quality wins over quality opponents and only one over an inferior opponent, and that was the Kings. All right, let's go to when they lost against the New York Islanders. They played Florida on Monday. They had the Islanders on Tuesday, and they lost 5-3. to three they came back all the way back in that game too, down three nothing, tied it at three, and then the Ryan Pulock slap shot, and the Islanders end up winning that game five to three. Well, two days later after that, who th- they played Florida again, who they played on Monday and beat four to one. They played them on Thursday at Florida, chased Bobrovsky and won six to two. Okay, the next loss was to the Tampa Bay Lightning five to three. Carter Hart lost the game down in Tampa. The next game was the first of a home and home with the Columbus Blue Jackets, who were streaking. And playing really good hockey, and the Flyers beat them five to one. Then they went to Columbus a couple days later, and they beat them four to three in overtime. So another quality win. Okay. So the next loss is the one that happened against the Boston Bruins. So by my count, every one of those losses that they have ta- they have suffered since the two game losing streak way back, only one of them the next opponent was an opponent where you would go, okay, you got to beat that team no matter what. The other ones, Columbus, the Florida Panthers. And, and look, you're, they beat Columbus twice in that week. They beat Florida for the second time sandwiched around that win, or that loss rather, against the New York Islanders. They went into Washington after a 5 nothing loss to the lowly Devils and beat the snot out of them 7-2. So I don't want anybody to push the panic button right now. Don't get alarmed. If they lose a couple in a row, then you can start to shake your head and go, uh-oh, uh-oh. But right now, they haven't lost two in a row since all the way back in early January, the 4th through the 7th. Now, they got a hell of a test on Thursday night against the Tampa Bay Lightning because Tampa Bay's good. They're playing good. So look out on Thursday. That will be a big one at the, down at Emily Arena in Tampa. Let's get to a few Twitter questions before we get out of here. All right, let's start with uh, Bcardi2 on Twitter. He says, rank the best matchups and the worst matchups come playoff time. Caps and Penguins don't scare me some reason, I don't like how we match up against the Islanders and Columbus Blue Jackets. Well, I'm not afraid of the Blue Jackets, um, and I'm not afraid of the Islanders. I know the Flyers haven't fared well against the Islanders this year, but I don't fear the Islanders at this point. That was way earlier in the season. I think the Islanders were a far different team at that time, and I think the Flyers were a far different team at that time. So I don't fear the Islanders. I mean, look, if, if I'm ranking the opponents that I'd want them to face, it would probably be the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Carolina Hurricanes, the New York Islanders, Pittsburgh Penguins, Washington Capitals. So the one I would fear the most there would obviously be the Caps. Um, and, and But I just, I just think Carolina, Columbus, and the Islanders are inferior teams to the Flyers right now, so they, they don't fear me. I, and I don't look back at the at the, the schedule this year and what happened this past season for all that reasoning. Look, I, The team that I have, the Flyers, that I'd be the most fearful of is the Caps, and the Flyers went 3-0-1 against the Capitals this year and held a Vetchkin scoreless in, in all four games. Um, Lynch Mob tweets in and says, Would you say A.V. overthought things when he put Ghost into PP2 in place of, sign, of Sandheim if it ain't broke? Um, no, I think he's just looking for offense there. I think he's looking to get as much as he can. He knew that he was going up against uh, a goalie who was on his game in a rest that night. So no, and, and Ghost is a guy that has been a power play guy for 99% of his career, so I got no problem with that at all. Uh, Michael H2292 tweets in. He says, how bad are the injuries going to hurt this team? Well, you're dealing with two right now. Well, you more than that, actually, because you still don't have Nolan Patrick. But let's remove him from the equation real quick. Uh, but you're, so you're dealing with the James Van Riemsdyke broken hand, four to six weeks. And now you're dealing with the Phil Myers lower body injury, four weeks. Uh, you got depth here at both of these positions. So I think they're they should be fine. I don't think this is anything that should derail them completely uh, down the stretch here where they'll fall apart. I, you know, Joel Farabee's up right now in place of James Van Riemsdyk, and he is a more than capable offensive player and actually plays a good 200-foot game as well. So I don't think that's a problem. And then Phil Myers, while well, I love the, the, the growth of his game this year, and the partnership with Travis Sanheim, you do have Shane Gossespierre. I suspect the Flyers will call up Mark Friedman and get a little depth uh, up there as well. So if they do need to make a change, they can pop into the lineup. And what I've seen out of Friedman this year, I've liked. I've seen a really cool, calm, collected player. So I think that uh, I think that that's would be what, what uh, Chuck Fletcher is going to do. Scott Keo says, How did you think Ghost looked in his first game back? Thought he made some good plays, but the PP looked lost. Uh, do you think AV changes lines for Thursday? Um, he could change up the D pairings a little bit, um, pending. Uh, I got to look at the matchup with Tampa. I don't think that he will change them up. I don't think he'll change the offensive lines at all. Um, but I thought I thought Shane Gostisbehere played really well. Christy Antonio tweeted the same thing. He said thoughts on Ghost's game tonight. He said first game back in a while, but I thought he looked good, encouraging since it's tough losing Myers for a few weeks. And Chris, you and I are on the same page. I thought I thought he looked calm. I thought he looked aggressive. And if Shane Gossespierre is going to have success, he's got to be an aggressive player. That That's part of the the deal for him. Drew Moff tweets in. He says, I thought the Flyers played a good game against the Bruins, but sometimes the goalie's just on his A game. I agree. He says his question, though, is uh, with a handful of games left, well, they have 13 left, uh, when does the team just shut Patrick down for the season? Yeah, that's a great question that I, I wish I knew the answer to, Drew. I really do. I, I don't know the answer. I don't know if things have progressed uh, – and got, and gotten him closer to playing or not, I just don't know. I don't know if they know. Um, you don't have to shut him down. That, that's the good news. He's on LTIR right now, and if he gets to the playoffs and he can play and they feel like his game is where it needs to be to jump into the playoffs, which is really that's a really tough call considering he hasn't played a single shift this entire year, and then if he was going to just pop into the playoffs, and we know playoff hockey, it looks different. Than NHL season regular season hockey, you know why? Because it is different. Um, that'd be a tough. That's a tough ask, but hey, they don't have to make that decision. And once you get uh, to the postseason, you're uncapped, so they would be able just fine to to do whatever they need to do it. And they could insert him back into the lineup, uh, and maybe he would be a shot in the arm. I'm not sure. Um, I, I don't know how to measure what a guy will or won't be after sitting out an entire year for a non physical injury like a knee or a shoulder or a surgery, a core surgery, anything like that. This is so different. This is almost like uh, uncharted territory that's harder to gauge because he's missed the season with a migraine disorder. So um, I'm not minimizing the injury. I think, you know, obviously that would be horrific to have. uh, But I don't know how you measure a player's ability to come back from that when he's missed an entire season, which is my honest answer. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to Flyers Daily. We'll have a game day episode for you tomorrow when the Flyers take on the Tampa Bay Lightning And look to avoid losing two straight. That's been the theme of tonight's episode. In the meantime, everybody, thanks for listening to Flyers Daily. And do me a favor. Enjoy your hockey.